Welcome to Spiritual Mythbusters. I'm your host, Paul Graves, and this is the place where we always share what we value as truth and promise to always share it in love. This podcast is an outreach of Bible to Life Ministry located in Northeast Florida. So if you enjoy what you hear, visit us at BibleToLife.net. That's B-I-B-L-E-T-O-L-I-F-E dot net and click on resources to view our BTL Kingdom blog, sermons, and bookstore. Now put on your spiritual thinking caps and let's dive into another episode. Welcome to episode four, and as always, I am your host, Paul Graves, and I want to thank you for listening once again to Spiritual Mythbusters. Today we want to talk about a topic called, What is the Purpose of God's Kingdom? So before we get started, I want to go ahead and give a little bit of a refresher from last week's episode. Last week we talked about, What is the Kingdom of God? And today we're talking about, What is the Purpose of God's Kingdom? We learned last week that the term the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven are both synonymous, meaning that they're interchangeable. So you'll read within the Gospels where one of the authors will mention the kingdom of God and another author will mention the kingdom of heaven. When you see this, it means the exact same thing. All right. So if you want more detail, go back and listen to episode three. And that's for all of this concerning the recap. Anything that you want more detail on, go back and catch our previous episode and you'll you'll hear it in depth. So we also learned last week that the kingdom of God is not a place. Kingdom of God is not a place. It's not heaven. It's not way out there somewhere. It's not somewhere that you enter into after you've passed away from this life into the next, but that the kingdom of God is an administration. It's a governance. It's the reign, the rule, and the authority of Christ the King living or residing or dwelling within the hearts of New Covenant believers. That was a bit of a a paradigm shift for some of you. Spoken to a lot of people that have told me the kingdom of God is heaven. Walls of jasper, streets of gold. It's a place that we are going to when we pass away. But as we explained in podcast three, or episode three of the podcast, Spiritual Mythbusters, as we explained, it's an administration. Then we touched on the scripture, Matthew 6.10, and this kind of tied it all together for us. So Matthew 6.10 says this, says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what we talked about was that it was important, vital, or necessary for the kingdom of God to come to earth so that the will of God can be done in and through the earth as the will of God is done in heaven. That brings us to today. Today we're talking about what is the purpose of God's kingdom. And before we even get started, I'm going to tell you right now, the purpose of God's kingdom is to do the will of our heavenly Father. That ties in nicely with Matthew 6.10 that we just read. It says, your kingdom come, your will be done. So the purpose of the kingdom coming to earth is so that the will of God can be done on earth. So the purpose of God's kingdom is to do the will of the Father. Now, many times I've heard Christians ask me this question. As a matter of fact, I've asked this question several times, and I know others have as well. So, But the question is, what is God's will for my life? I believe there's a specific answer, and that's probably what most believers are looking for when they ask that question. 
specific answer. In other words, what is God's will for my career path? Or what is God's will for my marriage? Or should I get married? Or does God intend for me to be married in the future? A lot of people ask the question, well, what is God's will for my life concerning ministry? And listen, all of these are valid questions. These are questions that God wants to answer. He wants us to to comprehend and understand. He wants us to be able to walk in the path in which He has prepared for us. The steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. But with that being said, what I want to talk about is a little bit more of a general concept. So when someone asks the question, what is God's will for my life? Generally speaking, I would like to answer it in the sense of what God's will is for your life is the same will God has for my life as the same will God has for every believer's life. So it's more of a general understanding. But I believe that when we when we get a general understanding of this question, it will help us tremendously in trying to figure out the specifics of what God has for each and every one of us to walk out in life. What is God's will for my life? I believe the will of God for your life and my life is to become the living Word of God in the earth to the world, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So in other words, every believer, every believer has a will of God, and the will of God for every believer is to become the living Word of God in the earth to the world. The purpose of being born again, then, is twofold. First, it's to receive forgiveness of sins, by accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and second, to be transformed to the image of the Father through the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit, by renewing our minds. So it's a twofold purpose. It's not about just being born again, sitting at the foot of the cross, waiting for God to return or Jesus to return one day, but it's about a functional responsibility that the body of Christ takes on as a result of being born again. Not only are we to receive forgiveness of our sins by accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, but we're also to be transformed into the image of the Father through the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. We do this by renewing our mind. All right, This is the will of God for us. Jesus said this concerning the will. Jesus said, Not my will, but your will be done. So we read in Luke twenty-two forty-two, Father, if you are willing, Jesus says, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but your will be done. John six thirty-eight, Jesus says, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. We see in John five thirty, I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. John 14.10 says this, Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his work. What Jesus was saying is that he did not have his own will, but that his will was to do the will which was the works of his Father who is in heaven. Therefore, since Jesus is the example of us, I say this all the time, I say that Jesus is the example of us, not the example for us. So since he's the example of us, 
He's the example of new covenant believers, then we don't have our own will either. All right, so as new covenant believers, we must become the living word of God in order to fulfill the will of our heavenly Father on earth. That's powerful because what it means is that we have a functional responsibility as believers to fulfill the plan, the purposes, the intent, and the will of God on earth. So as heaven comes to earth or as the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven comes to earth, the will of God can be done on earth as the will of God is done in heaven. So here's the kicker. The will of God can only be done on earth through the sons of men, through men and women, sons and daughters of God birthed into the kingdom, fulfilling all things. In other words, men and women of God, the church, the body of Christ, that are fulfilling all things experientially that Christ accomplished and fulfilled on the cross. So as Jesus himself said, he did not have or does not have a will but he came to do the will of the Father, then so we as New Covenant believers, we don't have a will. But our will is to become the living Word of God so that we can fulfill the will of the Father on earth as his will is fulfilled in heaven. Wow. The Word of God says that Jesus became a bondservant to his Father. So there again, if Jesus becomes a bondservant to his Father, then we as New Covenant believers become a bondservant to the Father. So bondservant means this, devoted to another to the disregard of one's own self-interests. On a basic level, a bondservant is simply one who follows their master to a complete disregard of their own will, their own emotions, and their own desires. Truth be told, we have been bought with a price, and that price was the blood of Jesus Christ. And since we have been bought with a price, not even we can own ourselves. Everything that we have belongs to the Father. All that we are belongs to the Father. And it is the will of the Father that we become like the Father. And as we become like the Father, beholding Him, then we begin to fulfill the plans and the purposes of God in the earth. So Philippians 2.7 is a perfect example of Jesus Christ as a bondservant. It's a perfect example of what it means to give all of yourself to another, to deny yourself of your emotions, your will, and your desire. But Philippians 2.7 says this, But emptied himself, in other words, himself being Jesus, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of man. That's what our Savior did. He he left deity behind. He came to earth wrapped in flesh for the sole purpose of being made in the likeness of mankind or humanity. So as a believer, I, you have been crucified with Christ. No longer I who live or no longer you who lives, but it's Christ who lives in me or Christ who lives in you. A lot of times we read these scriptures but not with the understanding of bringing them into reality. But what this is saying is, is that I have been crucified. In other words, you died with Christ. No longer am I who lives. So in other words, you don't, you don't have a right to say anymore. You don't have an opinion anymore. 
The truth of the matter is, is that your opinion is now the Word of God. Whatever the Word says, the Word of God is the foundation of our faith. The Word of God is our first and final authority. No longer I who live, but the Word of God must live on the inside of me. This is why it's the will of God for us to become the living Word of God. We have to put the Word in us and begin to live that Word out in order to renew our minds, being transformed into the image of Christ, so that we can fulfill the plans and the purposes of God on the earth. The purpose of the kingdom coming to earth, ruling and reigning with all authority within the hearts of every believer, is to prove the good, the perfect, and the acceptable will of God. Let me read that one more time. The purpose of the kingdom coming to earth, ruling and reigning with all authority within the hearts of every believer, is to prove the good, the perfect, and the acceptable will of God. So where do I get that from? Let's look at Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, we get that. We read that a lot. Don't be conformed to the world. Read the Word of God. Transform your life. But there's a purpose for that. There's a reason that we're being transformed by the renewing of our mind. It's not just because we're born again, and it's not just for us. So Romans 12, 2, I'll start at the beginning. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is the will of God, that which is good, that which is perfect, and that which is acceptable. So the purpose in transforming or renewing our mind is so that we as individuals, we as a family, we as a corporate body, so that we can prove to the world that God is good, perfect, and acceptable. The reason for renewing our mind is actually twofold. So first, we do it for ourselves. We renew our mind for ourselves. But second, we renew our mind for others. You see, when a believer renews their mind, they will involuntarily produce acts of righteousness. Therefore, proving to the world through these involuntary acts of righteousness that God is good and that God ultimately is kind. Isn't that what it says in Romans 2, 4? It says the goodness and the kindness of God leads mankind, leads humanity, leads men, women, and children to repentance. So the purpose of the kingdom of God is so that we as believers will do the will of God on earth. So what is God's will on earth? We know that the will of God is for reconciliation. We know that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not counting our sins against us. So we know that that took place. And then that ministry of reconciliation was given to Paul. And Paul says, we preach Christ crucified. We administer the message of reconciliation. We beg people, be reconciled unto God. So the will of the Father in and through the earth by the power of the Holy Spirit and the governance of His kingdom is that sons and daughters of God will take the message of reconciliation into the world and we will fulfill Matthew 28, 18. We will disciple nations. We will baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we will what? We will teach them to obey all that the original disciples were taught by Jesus Christ. 
You see, our spirit is born again the moment we receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Though our soul, which is our mind, our thoughts, our reasoning, our intellect, must be transformed and renewed. And our body, for that matter, must be brought into subjection to the Word of God so that when we preach the gospel, Paul says, we don't disqualify ourselves. So with that being said, how do believers prove God's will to the world? All right, so the purpose of the actual kingdom of God is so that as believers, we will do the will of our Heavenly Father. And we know that the will of the Father was done by Jesus. And we know that as He is, so are we in this world. So how do we prove God's will to the world? If this is the functional responsibility the church has been given, the church is destined to fulfill, aside from being born again by receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior through the work of redemption, through the work of reconciliation that Christ and the Father planned beforehand, before the foundations of the earth, for all humanity, for those who would believe and receive, would be born again and saved. I would say that if Jesus is the example of us, then the same way Jesus proved the will of God to the world is the same way that we would prove the will of God. So we're not going to change the model. The model is whatever Jesus has done, that is what we do. Why? Because Jesus was the firstborn. He was the first fruits of many sons and daughters of God. That's why I say that he is the example of us. Jesus Christ is the example of a new covenant believer. So Luke 4, 18, 9 says this, and we've touched on this in other episodes, and we'll continue to touch on this as we move throughout because it's important. What we're, what we're doing is we're sowing seeds deliberately in the hearts of individuals in order to reap a harvest. But Luke 4, 18 through 19 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set free those who are oppressed. So how is Jesus proving the will of God on the earth? He's proving the will of God by preaching the gospel. He's proving God's will on the earth, which is good, perfect, and acceptable by proclaiming release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. He is setting those who are oppressed free. And by doing this, he is proving to the world that God is good, perfect, and acceptable. He is proving to the world that God is good and kind. And it's the goodness and the kindness of God that draws men, humanity, men, women, and children unto salvation. So listen, if it works for Jesus, apparently it must work for us. So if we're going to use Jesus as the model, then we have to say to ourselves, does Scripture say that what He is doing, we have to do? Well, yes, it does. John 14, 12 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, this is Jesus speaking. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. Wow. As long as we follow the Jesus model, we can't go wrong. There is nothing that Jesus did that we can't do. There is nothing that he didn't pattern his life after the will of the Father that is not our will to pattern our life after. Man. So in other words, so 
when you were born again, all right, let's look at it this way. When you were born again, his kingdom had come. All right, this is a challenging statement, question, however you want to take it. So when you were born again, his kingdom had come. The question is, now that his kingdom has come, is the will of the Father being done through you on earth as it is already done in heaven? Listen, I challenge myself. I say to myself, I say, Paul, when you were born again, his kingdom had come. Now the question is, Paul, now that his kingdom has come, is the will of the Father being done through you on earth as it is in heaven? I believe this is a prophetic word. The Father is speaking to our hearts today. In other words, it's not enough that the kingdom will come. The question is, what are you doing with the coming kingdom or the kingdom that came? New Covenant believers, all right, the church of Jesus Christ, the body of Christ, the church in which Christ said the gates of hell shall not prevail because they will be built on the revelation that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the anointed King. So New Covenant believers, the church, the body of Christ, has a functional responsibility. In other words, they have a working within the earth that needs to be fulfilled aside from simply being born again. All right, we talked about that a minute ago. We were not simply born again just so we could sit at the foot of the cross and wait on Jesus to provide all of our needs. The reality is, is that there is a fulfillment that must take place in the earth in order for the will of God to be done. It is the church's responsibility. You and I, according to these scriptures, let me read these to you, and I'm going to read about five or six of them, and they're important, because they're going to validate the message that I'm sharing. They're going to validate that the purpose of the kingdom is to fulfill all things in the earth. They're going to validate that the purpose of the kingdom of God is to do the will of our Heavenly Father. And that we have a functional responsibility as individual believers, as our family of believers, as our local church of believers, and as the assembly of believers throughout the world. We have a functional responsibility in the earth as the body of Christ. So, it is the church's responsibility, you and I, according to Scripture, to make the manifold wisdom of God known to the rulers and the authorities in heavenly places. This is Ephesians 3.10. Manifold means various, and wisdom means experience, knowledge, and good judgment. According to Scripture, it is the church's responsibility to make the various experiences of God, the knowledge of God, the good judgments of God known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. Isaiah 11.9 and Habakkuk 2.14 says this, it is the church's responsibility to cause the knowledge of God's glory. In other words, the knowledge of God's experiential goodness to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea, which is completely. It is the church's responsibility, you and I, according to Scripture, to disciple nations, teaching others to obey all Christ taught the original disciples. This is Matthew 28, 18. It's known as the, the Apostolic Commission or the Great Commission. It is the church's responsibility, you and I, according to Scripture, to cause the enemies of Christ to become a footstool for His feet. You will find this in Psalms 110, 1, Acts 2, 34, 
Acts 3.21 and 1 Corinthians 15.25. Also, it is the church's responsibility to enforce on earth all Christ legally accomplished at the cross through his finished work. You will read that in Ephesians 1, 20 through 23. It is the church's responsibility to do the works of Jesus and greater works. You will find this in John chapter 14, verse 12. And it is the church's responsibility to live as Jesus lived on earth. 1 John 4, 17. This is why Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. 1 Corinthians 11, 1. Why? Because he knew that Jesus Christ was the exact expression or the exact representation of the Father. In other words, Paul knew that Jesus Christ was perfect theology. Now, the word theology means the study of God. So he knew that Jesus Christ was the perfect, exact image and expression of his Father. So what did Paul do? Paul followed his life after Christ. And then Paul told those who followed him, follow me as I follow Christ. See, as Christ is, so are we in this world. I know we read these scriptures sometime and we just we just say them willy-nilly. You know, as Christ is, so am I. As Jesus is, so am I in this world. But the reality is, is as Jesus was and is, so are we which means that the functional responsibility of Christ fulfilling the will of the Father, the ways of the Father, the works of His Father, is the same functional responsibility we have as individual believers. New Covenant believers have a functional responsibility to reveal, to demonstrate, to manifest the kingdom of God which is the reign, the rule, and the authority of Christ the King. How do we do this? We do this through believing in faith without doubting that the Word of God is true. Therefore, the result of our faith without doubting, when we align our thoughts and our intents to the Word of God, is that we are moved with signs and wonders, healings, miracles, deliverance, and salvation. It is our responsibility as a church to set the captives free by causing the knowledge of God's glory. Listen, when we talk about the knowledge of God's glory, we're not saying that we cause the glory of God to cover the earth. The glory of God already covers the earth. The Spirit of Christ has already been poured out on the earth. Every time you are born again, or every time a non-believer is born again, they receive the King, the Kingdom, and the Holy Ghost the Holy Spirit. So we're not talking about causing the the, the glory of God to cover the earth as though it's not there. We're We're talking about the experiential goodness. In other words, we're talking about causing the experiential goodness of God to be made known to the world. How do we do that? By finding a need and meeting it. Finding a hurt and healing it. A people touched by God touching people with God, a people that know who they are and to whose they belong, a people that know that they don't have a will of their own, but that their will is the will of the Father. And the will of the Father for us generally is to become the living Word of God. And as we become a living Word of God, we renew our mind. We transform our mind. We bring our bodies into subjection. Our life is no longer ours. We have been bought with a price. No longer I who live, but Christ now lives in me. 
believers are glory carriers. You are a glory carrier. If you are listening to this podcast and you are born again, you are a glory carrier. That means you carry the goodness and the kindness of God on the inside of you. That means you carry the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. That means you have within you the kingdom of God, the rule, the reign, and the authority of Christ the King. That means that the lordship of Jesus Christ resides on the inside of you and filling you giving you the power and the authority and the ability to be moved with compassion, birthed out of a genuine love to lay hands on the sick and see them recover, prophesy into the life of individuals for change, speak a word of knowledge, make a difference by overcoming injustice with justice in the name of Jesus Christ. You see, here's the deal. We're not waiting on God to do anything for us. If you're waiting on God to do something for you that He's already done through Christ at the cross, through His atonement, then you will be waiting a lifetime. The truth is that there is a divine order for godly living in the new covenant, and that is that Christ, who is the head of His body, works in and through His body to fulfill all things on the earth. So if the body is not accomplishing the will of God through the power of the Holy Spirit, by the authority of the kingdom on earth, then nothing on earth will get done. I am not saying that God is not sovereign. I am not saying that God cannot move on our behalf. I'm saying the divine order for godly living in a new covenant is that Christ works in and through his body to fulfill all things on the earth. Hence, his body He's the head. So let me make this statement. If you want to see the glory of God, if you want to see the glory of God in your own life, if you want to see the glory of God in your the life of your family, if you want to see the glory of God when you go to the supermarket, if you want to see the glory of God when you go to the movies, if you want to see the glory of God, then you, son of God, you, daughter of God, must release God's glory. It's the church's responsibility to demonstrate to the world that God is good, that God is perfect, and that God is acceptable as we daily become who we ultimately behold. As your host, Paul Graves, I want to thank you for listening to Spiritual Mythbusters. If you like what you've heard, then once again, visit us at BibleToLife.net. That's B-I-B-L-E-T-O-L-I-F-E.net and click on Resources to access our BTL Kingdom blog, sermons, and bookstore. So until next week, always remember, if you want to see the glory of God, then you must release God's glory.